Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Halliburton to Smith, runs into Jerome, goes up, blocked by Jamichael Green. Looney gets the ball. Curry's hurt. Curry's hurt. Curry collided with somebody, and he has hurt his left shoulder. shoulder. Oh, my goodness. Bent over at the waist. Curry in real pain here. And this game in Indiana is taking on a very scary turn right now as Curry walks over to the bench under his own power, but he is not using that left shoulder for anything. Tim and Jim last night here on 95.7 The Game, and we will not be seeing Steph Curry for, I mean, it feels conservative to say a month. They're saying he'll be reevaluated. This is a shoulder subluxation, which is just a fancy way of saying partial delocation, dislocation. The good news is no torn labrum, uh, no damage to you know the muscles, the, gr- the muscle grouping, the tendons are in, in his shoulder, and, and I guess that is very, very good news. Um, but a two-week reevaluation means he's out at least a month. It just feels that way, and for a team that is, I think, Ray, notoriously careful with its rehabs and its ramp-ups, if there's anyone to be careful with, it's Steph Curry. Oh, they're, they're unusually careful with most of them, so I don't think that's a stretch for them to be more careful with him than anybody else. Um, they have learned over the years that there's no benefit to rushing. Uh, all you do is make the possibility of either a related re-injury or a different injury uh, that much more likely. So, yeah, they're going to be exceedingly careful because that's who they are as an organization. Someone from the 650 in the Xfinity Mobile text line says, How is Steve Kerr always a great interview even when there isn't any great news? The man's a pro. And he's got a personality. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. He's a he's a pro. He's got a personality. He's respectful. When he commits to something, he sticks with it. To me, it's not just the quality of interview we consistently get from Steve Kerr. It's the punctuality. There is nobody, nobody in radio. I'm talking nobody that we have as a regular guest who is as consistent. Not, that's not consistently. Always. He is 100% of the time on time. And I'm, look, I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about Michael Irvin, Peter King. 
you got to jump through hoops to get those guys on the phone sometimes. Steve Kerr, never. It's it just shows you that uh, he 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 was raised right, man. He was absolutely raised right, and he just there's nobody who he doesn't give the same level of respect that he throws at Steph Curry. It's not just us. It's 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 anyone in the media. I know it, he feels you know feels nice like we had this really special relationship. No, he treats everybody like this. He knows the name of everyone who helps him park his car, who is a security guard, who is around the bench. He can name, I guarantee you, he can name, first name, last name, 20 different ushers at Chase Center. I guarantee it. If we just handed him a lineup, like name these guys, we'll give you $1,000 for every name you got. It costs us a lot of money. That's why I'm not doing it. We're not going to do that. No. Absolutely not. But it's funny, though. Almost every coach in every walk of life, and maybe baseball most of all, one of the skill sets that is never remarked on but is always there is an extraordinary memory. Uh, they, they, they put names to faces. They remember games from 25 years ago. I mean, ask Bruce Bochy to walk through the sixth inning of a game against the Phillies in 1998, and he will absolutely do it. But and it will count. do it flawlessly <laughs> because that is, that's one of the reasons why they get those jobs because that's a thing they rely on. And it manifests itself in, as you say, a hundred different ways. But I've never been a good coach with a with an ordinary memory. He's a competitor. Uh, somebody, 707, asked a question out of frustration. And I totally get it because there are times I feel this way too. The question is, at what point does Steve Kerr tell the training staff, I run this team? I get it. I really do. But the truth is, he runs the team of players that they clear. And another thing that Steve is good at is not overextending his success and his feelings into, let's call it, branches of a team's government he does not belong in. He is not a doctor. He is not a trainer. He's not even a guy who tapes ankles. And they have enough confidence in their medical staff to get it right that Steve is going to take his marching orders from them. Uh, and I think that that's just the way the NBA works across the board, Ray, with the investments that they're making in these guys. The only coaches who don't do that are coaches who are soon to be fired. Um, that there are any number of reasons why you do it the way Kerr does it. And among them is, one, you don't want to endanger players because they will know if you're you know, in danger, you're, you're screwing with their careers. And secondly, there's something called human resources. That If you're going to start countermanding the orders of your training staff on player availability, at some point they could sue the team for, you know, I don't know what the legal termination uh, term would be, but, you know, that's legally actionable. So even if he wanted to, there would be somebody upstairs going, Steve, we don't get to do that. You know, I'm not going to be in court giving depositions because the ninth player on our roster gets to sue us for $30 million. And so there's a lot of fail-safes built into the system why the coach doesn't get to countermand the orders of the training staff. Prudence, wisdom, kindness, and legal stuff. And I do think 
there might be a moment, you know, in in a postseason where he would, you know, walk up to a player and basically say, hey, look, you know, are you injured or are you hurt? Because if you're injured, you can't play. But if you're just hurting, this is a, you know, this is the playoffs, baby. We rub some dirt on it. But we're not there. We're certainly not there before we've had Christmas dinner. And truthfully, you almost never have a player in the playoffs who says, nah, I don't want to go. Right. I mean, there were there were accusations of that with the Nuggets this past playoff season. Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. But I think for the most part, a coach is far more likely to have to talk a guy into not playing than talk him into playing. You know, usually the conversation of, can you go tonight? Is usually met by, hell yes, I can go. Even if the answer should be, I don't think I should. Uh, just to let you know, we accept fair criticism. Someone from the 408 says, Damon, could you just please ask a question and let him answer it for heaven's sake? I hear you. If I'm if I'm meandering into my Ralph Barbieri seven-minute-long question, three-minute answer phase, just please let me know, Ray, if I'm getting there. You should probably wrap that up a little sooner there, Ralph. But look, I, I think the best thing that we offer with our conversation with Steve Kerr is that it's not an interview. It is a conversation. And, you know, peppering him with questions are press conferences. Ray and I don't have to go to press conferences because we get to have an actual conversation with the man once a week. So, And because we're lazy. It, yeah, we're not going. Um, finally, from the 650, this person, this listener said, I think the interesting comment was in regards to the four-year commitment of Purdy, you know, with James Wiseman being there. I could see how you could maybe try to connect those two dots, but I don't think that Steve Kerr's praise of... Uh, how about this? There is absolutely no way Brock Purdy would have lasted to the final pick of the draft had he been the physical specimen that James Wiseman was. And the NBA draft and the NFL draft do kind of work differently from each other in terms of how you're evaluating, at what point are you willing to take the inexperienced risk against the physical attribute. Well, and, more and I'm not the, saying they got it right. Yeah, you know? no. More to the point, the the basketball diaspora is now run not by colleges but by AAU teams, and their responsibility is to get a guy to the pros as quickly as possible. And so, when you can siphon off the level of talent that a lot of AAU teams can siphon, that's where you go because that's where the best players are. It's largely a function of how the talent is developed in the NBA that's different than baseball or football or or hockey for that matter. Um, it's just, you don't, your apprenticeship to get to the NBA is simply shorter because the demands are greater at a younger age. So it the Purdy-Weissman comparisons are really sort of apples and tangerines. One other thing from Hungus, <laughs> Carl Hungus, um, says it really is weird how Draymond goes from tough guy to tapping out within minutes upon Steph's departure. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think that that's fair. Um, someone says, where's the Niners talk? We're an hour away from a huge football game. You are right about that. And we will make the correction in real time coming up next. Because Dre Greenlaw is joining us. Then Ray and I are sinking our teeth into the remaining time that we really have in this show. Into the 49ers game with one other detour to Correaville. Because Ray and I haven't had the chance to talk what we 
think of the Carlos Correa signing, and it's uh, about as significant a signing as the San Francisco Giants have ever made in the history of their franchise in terms of money committed. It is the most significant franchise move they've ever made. So we've got a lot for you coming up today. And if you missed any of Steve Kerr and you want to get back to Warriors talk, stick around because we're going to have that interview for you again at 530. But next, an interview with Dre Greenlaw here on 95.7 The Game. We are brought to you by Pfizer. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. <laughs> Now back to Damon and Rado on 95.7 The Game. Welcome back here to 95.7 The Game. Dre Greenlaw, our guest today as we go inside the 49ers locker room presented by Harris Ranch Beef. Visit your local Chavez supermarkets for all of your beef and your tailgate needs. Already in his fourth NFL season, all with the Niners who drafted him out of Arkansas in the fifth round back in 2019. He is having his best season. He is their leading tackler. It's the most ferocious defense in the NFL. All pro votes certainly coming his way. I have a feeling we're going to see Dre Greenlaw in a Pro Bowl, if they even really play those anymore. Uh, Just 25 years old, needless to say, the future is bright. The present is very bright. Dre, thank you very much for joining us here on Damon and Ratto. How you doing today? Doing good, man. Can't complain. I want to start with your autograph hunting of Tom Brady. What a great story. Uh, I I know that you and Fred Warner were talking about, should we do it? Are we going to go up to him? Are we going to ask him to sign this football? Did anyone try to talk you guys out of that? Uh, Nah, nobody really talked us out. But, you know, majority of the guys probably was like, yeah, man, he's just going to go to the locker. So, uh, yeah, he's probably just going to leave the game and, uh, I mean, probably about a minute left for the fourth quarter. I just watched him the whole time just to just to see what he was going to do. And uh, once I saw him coming that way, I ran to him and, and he ain't got it done. So did you have the pen with you? Did you have the Sharpie? Oh, I was fully prepared, man. I was, I was ready for it. All you had to do was sign it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brady even admitted, you know, he can be spicy. Yeah, after a game, especially when they lose, uh, did did you get uh, any apprehension, or did it feel like the right thing to do right away? Uh, no, I did, I could tell that he was uh, he was a little like he was upset, man, and just knowing how he is after the game, man, I can just tell by his demeanor that he really wasn't trying to sign the ball. So I actually came to him and I was like, man, I want you to sign these balls, but I ain't gonna let you do it, man. You look like you're going through a lot of. 
he was cool about it, man. And then Fred came up and he, he asked me to get those balls signed. And I had to go for it. Then I was like, yeah, you got to sign these balls. <laughs> <laughs> Dre Greenlaw here talking about getting Tom Brady's autograph. You even called yourself, what, a fangirl? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, you called him the greatest of all time. And what was it like to line up across from him, playing all that pre-snap chess game that he's running all afternoon? I, I know he didn't play, you know, the game that he wanted to play, but, you know, do you just feel the man's greatness when you're out there on the field with him? Yeah, no doubt, man. Just watching tape, uh, it really tells it all. Just uh, just the way that he's able to look off defenders and his pre-snap reads and how fast he is with getting the ball out of his hands. It's all the things that he do that just make him to be a great quarterback. And uh, with with him, what makes him so great about all those things is he know how to do it and when to do it. You know, you know when to, uh, you know, eyes the receiver down to just give him the ball or, you know, if you want to look away and then, you know, come scan the field and come back. And go all the way to his fourth read, you can do that. So uh, it's just about, you know, being honest and true, uh, you know, to your coverage. But, I mean, he just does a good job with just, you know, just manipulating with his eyes and everything. My last question about this autograph. Where's the football now? Yeah, it's uh, it's, in the, it's at home in a very safe spot away from my son. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he saw me with the football after the game. He go football, and he, he takes it and drops it on the ground there. I had a heart attack, so it's put up in a nice tight spot until <laughs> I can give me uh, a little frame for it. Getting more to the the defensive side of the ball and your entire team, was there a game or a moment within a game when you felt like, hey, this is the defense we've been meant to play all year? Uh, for sure. I mean, there's been you know times throughout games that I felt like you know we were just dominating it. I felt like, you know, we shouldn't, you know, when you, when you got that feeling and you're playing so good and your team's playing so good, uh, it just it gives you a feeling that nobody really belongs on the field with you. You know, that's what we kind of tell ourselves when we're out there and we can feel ourselves dominating. So, um, and and for now, it's just about trying to keep it going and keep it rolling and, and just having that, that confidence throughout the rest of the season so we can finish strong. But was there a game before the Tampa game where you felt that way? Maybe the first time you guys felt that way all year? Uh, I mean, like I said, it's really just been throughout the whole season, man. Like, we've had times where, you know, we're getting out the field, throwing out, back of the back of the back, and it's like, man, this is it's pretty easy, man. So, uh, you know, it's always times and it's going to be some teams that give you some challenges. And, I mean, everybody got great players, so. Uh, you know, it's some it's some times where you know you're not sure. You're just like, man, you know, you got to really look deep inside. But uh, you know, when when you're clicking and everything's working together, man, uh, you definitely get that feel that man. Like we we could do this every play, every snap, and do it every week. Dre Greenlaw here on ninety five seven The Game. I think one of the hard to find natural resources in professional sports, all professional sports, is consistency. You know, free agency, player turnover, injuries, they happen all the time. You get drafted the year after Fred Warner, and the two of you guys have been playing together since that happened. How much is that responsible, knowing the other's instincts and the way you almost non-verbally communicate with each other? How much of, of that is part of your success as a linebacking group this year? 
Oh, no doubt. It's huge. Uh, just whenever you get, you know, a guy like Fred as, you know, that's smart, um, you know, that, that, that can go sideline to sideline just as, you know, just like you, um, you know, when you, when you've been playing together for so long, you kind of just got a good feel for each other about how each other's going to play. You know what I mean? You know, like, uh, the type of guy that, you know, each other are and, um, just kind of just based off our fits, based off our angles, based off just being next to each other all the time. It's kind of usually got a really good feel for where the other person is going to be. And, uh, you know, just the way that we play, um, man, you know, he's always going to be there just by, just, just because of the way that, you know, he, this is how he practice and that's how he play every day, you know, uh, just, he's going to, he's the guy that's always going to be there. That's always going to be at the ball. And, uh, I mean, when you got a guy like that as beside you and, and, and it just brings confidence to you as well and it allows you to play off each other. How different is Geno Smith's Seattle Seahawks uh, when compared to Russell Wilson's Seattle Seahawks? So um, just on Geno, uh, period. I mean, I've just been really impressed by him and you know the way that he's been able to handle everything that's been thrown his way and uh, the way he's responded, uh, just the way that he's been playing football. So uh, just the difference between them. I mean, I think Geno is just a better thrower altogether. Uh, I mean, he's able to make just like Russell was every ball, but. Uh, I just think Gino is a lot more d- decisive with it. He's uh, he kind of opens it out for everybody, and uh, uh, he's able to just create it, create plays by using his legs as well. I think Russell, uh, you know, they both look to throw the ball while they're running, but I think Gino is just more effective with it. Uh, just has a little bit more speed, so you know he can turn a lot of those third downs into first downs a lot easier uh, than I feel like that Russell could. But uh, they both play very a very similar game, just the way. Uh, the offense is set up for him. Um, you know, we kind of run the same offensive scheme that Russell was in, so uh, it's very similar in the way that they play. Massive opportunity in Seattle. Obviously, you can clinch the NFC West title, guaranteeing a home game for the playoffs. Like, considering everything that's happened this season, all the injuries that you've dealt with, you're on your third-string quarterback, for goodness sakes. How sweet would it be to clinch this bad boy in Seattle? Yeah, it'd be huge, uh, you know, just just for the whole team, period. You know, just to be able to um, just to be able to get that win and know that uh, no matter who's out there, no matter, you know, what guy's up, you know, we know that we got faith in, you know, whoever's up. And, uh, I mean, it just, it just shows it's going to show the type of team that we got. And I think everybody uh, is, is ready for the challenge, no matter who who's their quarterback, who's, you know, who's in the game. I think everybody's just going to, Go out there and just give it their all. That you know, we'll be we'll be more than happy with the outcome of it. How often do you think back to the what was it, 2019? Yeah, your rookie year, the goal line tackle that secured the one seed for the 49ers. Like, do do you feel good going up playing in Seattle since you made a massive play in your career up there? <laughs> uh, that play don't really determine how I feel, but. Uh, when I go up there to play, uh, I guess as far as just, you know, I guess confidence. I mean, I don't really think about it, you know, too much when I'm up there. Uh, honestly, uh, just because the weeks go by so fast, man, you don't get time to reminisce too much in the NFL. But, um, I mean, it was, it was just such a crazy play. It was, it's, it's, it's like, a, it's even hard to go back and reminisce on it now, but it was, it was just such, such a crazy play. And, uh, I know those fans, they, they bring a lot of energy and uh, to the to the stadium and to the game, and I'm expecting that Thursday. And 
and yeah, man, we uh, it was just exciting play and it was fun to be a part of. Is having a ten day break after this game better than only having a three day break before this game is lousy? Uh, yeah, anytime you can get more days before a game, uh, it's better on your body. Uh, you know, the fresher you feel, the better you play. Um, for sure, I think plays a hand in it, but uh, it don't matter if it's two days, four days, ten days. I mean, I thought we're going to be ready to play regardless. So, uh, yeah. Dre Greenlaw here on Damon and Ratto. So, you know, you guys have dealt with a lot of things thrown at you this year. And a lot of teams... You know, they want to talk about next man up mentality, but they just don't have the talent. They don't really have the depth to back it up. You, your team seems to. Is there something about the 49ers that lends itself to so seamlessly, like, uh, you know, really live up to the cliche of, of next man up? Is it is it the talent, the depth, the construction of the roster, the coaching, a little bit of everything? Yeah, I think you hit it, man. Look at everything. Just uh, we got a great system here that we play. Uh, you know, everybody here is on board with you know what we want to get done on defense and offense. And uh, I think everybody just uh, the coaches and the, the the guys here, the the main officers, just did a great job of getting uh, guys that love to play football. You know what I mean? No matter what uh, where they're playing or you know what 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 position, what screen, we just got a bunch of football players, so uh, um, with that, uh, it just gives us confidence, you know, you, no matter what, when you go out there uh, and you got, you know, 10 other guys that, uh, that's fighting balls to the wall and, you know, you're the new guy on the team and you haven't been out there, but you see everybody, you know, playing, having fun and going balls to the wall, you know, you just kind of just follow and join in and, uh it's just it's just part of the culture that they got built here and uh and yeah man so uh i think everybody just kind of just you know they they see how hard the next man is working and they just put their own their, their foot in and everybody just goes to work tell me a little bit about brock purdy as you're playing against him as a scout team quarterback did you think man this guy's got something and after seeing what he's done almost two whole weeks in a row at Levi's Stadium. How confident are you that that can translate up to Seattle? Uh, I'm very confident in uh, Brock Purdy. Just you know, the way that he, he handles himself, the way he carries himself from the time he got in, uh, you know, you just tell that he just, he just something different about him. Uh, and then going at him, going, going, going against him for, you know, what, 14 weeks now, I guess. Um, he just does some stuff that, you know, you see, you don't see other rookies doing, you know. It's the way that he's able to, uh, you know, like I said with Tom Brady a little bit, just the way he's able to manipulate with his eyes a little bit. You know, it's just farther along than what you would expect a rookie to be doing. And, and I mean, honestly, some of these some of these quarterbacks that have been in the league for a couple years, you know, can't even do that still. So, uh, you know, that was big for us whenever we saw that. But then just the way that he, how poor he is when he's in the pocket, you know what I mean? And, uh, he makes good decisions with the ball, and and then he's able to you know create things you know with his leg, and you know be able to you know buy more time for the guys uh, to get open. So uh, he just kind of got that effector that you know I just you can't really explain. But uh, I mean he uh, he shows it. So uh, I mean I got all the confidence in the world with the man, and uh, can't wait to see what he can do with the rest of the season. 
Wrapping up here with Dre Greenlaw, 95-7 the game. How much juice came into your locker room when Christian McCaffrey entered it? Oh, it was huge, man. Uh, just having a guy like that, that's just, uh, I mean, he's, he's a superstar in the league and has been for a long time. So, uh, we, you know, when we found out we was getting Christian, uh, we knew that all the, you know, the tools and everything that he could bring to the table. And, uh, you know, just, you know, with what we do on offense, we knew he would be the, the, the perfect fit just by going against them, you know, earlier in the year. We could just tell how, uh, how versatile he was, and, uh, and yeah, man, it's been a great fit, and, uh, I mean, we were pumped to have him, we're still pumped that he's here, and, uh, and yeah. Your former teammate, and I believe it's not stretching the truth to say future Hall of Famer Richard Sherman, he said this week that he wants to see you get your first Pro Bowl nod. You certainly have played up to that. What would that mean to you, your family, everyone who's helped guide you in your professional career here, Dre? What would it mean to you to be named to the Pro Bowl? Uh, it would be huge. Uh, it's something that I mean I could even never even dreamed of. Uh, I mean I'm dreaming about playing NFL. Uh, but never getting a Pro Bowl, you know what I mean? But, uh, and that would be, it would be huge and just, uh, just great motivation for the future as well. And, uh, and man, yeah, I can't even kind of just describe what it would feel like to know that, you know, everything that you work for, uh, to just, you know, have a chance to be in the Pro Bowl, that would be huge. Well, I think it's a, a, a very deserving nod, and I hope it indeed comes your way. I would bet on it in Las Vegas uh, if I could plunk down such a bet. Here's the thing. I can't, I can't nominate you to the Pro Bowl, but what I can do is feed you and your family, thanks to our friends at Harris Ranch Beef. We're going to send you 10 pounds of prime steaks, and you get to choose your, your cut, Dre. So do you want the ribeyes, the porterhouses, or the New York strip steaks? Ooh, we baby. Uh, I appreciate that. I'm gonna go with the ribeye, man. Can 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 beat that. That is the correct answer. That, but it's amazing how many guys have gotten that answer correctly. That's where you want to go. Dre, thank you very much for joining us here today. It was a pleasure to talk to you, man. Watching the season that you are personally having, that your team is having. It's been unbelievable watching this defense play. I, it's it's remarkable how nasty you guys are. Keep it up. Continued health and success to you. Really appreciate you joining us. Good luck in Seattle. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we're kicking off in about an hour up in Seattle with the 49ers in a huge, what I've already billed, Ray, it's, it's an eliminate the stress game. The, this is a huge fork in the road. You win and you're in with a home playoff game to begin your playoff journey. You lose and all of a sudden Seattle is a game back and feels like it has life. Considering Debo's status, not wanting to burn out Christian McCaffrey, not wanting to burn out Bosa. Uh, a win tonight gets the Niners about as close to kicking their feet up the rest of the way as the NFL is going to let you get with about three games left. Well, I don't know how much kick, kicking their feet. I mean, I get your point, but I'm not sure how much kicking your feet up they'll be able to get with Brock Purdy as a quarterback because they've got to get him ready for January. And that means they can't sort of, you know, half-ass their way through the back end of the schedule just because they're, you know, playoff safe. Um, they've got to 
get rid of like as many of the rough edges that a guy with his lack of experience has, which means they're going to have to play sort of pedal to the metal like they have been. Tonight's they quite might a be test. able to rest, they might be able to rest a defensive player here or there, but I think offensively they need him as up to speed as he can be because at some point, you know, if they do as well as they're projected to do, they're going to be playing in Philadelphia against a defense that is every bit as nasty as theirs. This is the most critical three-game stretch of the season. This is the third leg of the parlay. It's the most important leg of the parlay, as is every final leg in a parlay. Just make sure that that ticket comes home. But we really said, you know, if they were in this three-game stretch to go two and one, you could give a game away to the Dolphins. You could give a game away to the Buccaneers. You don't want to give this game away tonight. Wrapping up this three-game stretch, 3-0, three and would officially mean that for the moment, the 49ers have achieved maximum <laughs> And look, since we were just talking to Dre Greenlaw, I want to circle back to him because it, he was... He was so good last week against Tampa Bay. This is a guy who's registered 103 tackles, two fumble returns, and an interception so far this season. He's the only player in the NFL with 100 more tackles, two or more fumble returns, and uh, fumble recoveries, I should say, and one or more interceptions so far in the year. What I was saying, I would very much bet on him to go to the Pro Bowl, if not make the All-Pro team. I think it's going to happen. This guy's just been unbelievable. And I'll tell you, right now this team is two op- has got two linebackers, Ray, that are absolutely operating in, in, in the shadows of Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman, who I thought were as good of a linebacker duo as I've seen play for the San Francisco 49ers in the time that I've been covering them. Uh, Greenlaw and Warner both have 90 or more tackles, one or more interceptions in the same season for just for the second time already in their careers. Uh, they did it in 2019 as well, which, as everyone remembers, was a very, very good year for the 49ers right up until the last like six minutes of the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think of all the 49ers defensive players, Greenwell, Greenwell is probably having the best season of them all. I think more than Warner. I think more than Bosa. More than Bosa? But, well, but no, I'm not saying he's the, a better player. I'm saying he's having a better year only because the impact of his big plays has turned games around, whereas Bosa is just sort of a standard, you know, terrorizing event whenever he plays. I mean, I get that this is, you know, sort of not the way you normally look at defensive players, but I think Greenlaw has been maybe more important than the other two because the other two, they have a standard that they set. uh, Greenlaw has reached up to get to his standard, and I think his standard is right there with theirs. Well, like I was saying earlier this week, I think he's the difference between really good and great. I think it's him. I, I, if, if you add him on top of a, a cake that already has Bosa and a getting healthier Eric Armstead, um, and we're going to tap in to uh, John Dickinson here in just a little bit to get any late or last-minute scratches, updates, availability. Is Javon Kinlaw... Uh, ready to go tonight. We will have uh, John Dickinson checking in from Seattle live in just a minute or two. But there is so much talent. so much. It's an overwhelming 
amount of talent on this defense. Talanoa Hufanga is clearly coming to his own. Jimmy Ward might not want to play the slot or uh, the nickel. He's good. He's comfortable doing that. He really is. This is a this is a team that has put its laurels on its defense, and if they're able to do that tonight, I mean, the bare minimum of offense. That, look, they just shut down Tom Brady. They just shut down Tua before he had a bad couple of weeks in a row, but he came in cooking red hot. The red hot Geno Smith was a story from the first, like, six, seven weeks of this year, more than it's been a story in the last seven weeks of this year. The Seattle Seahawks have regressed to the mean in a way we expect, you know, eventually the 49ers can't keep doing this defensively week in, week out. Well, maybe they can. They have not regressed to the mean, but the Seahawks have. This is a fascinating game tonight, and we're going to be back in just a moment with John Dickinson. Boots on the ground in Seattle. He joins us next year on Damon and Ratto, brought to you by Fremont Bank. Full-service banking, no compromises. It is great to have you here. Oh, this program is officially streaming. You can find us on the YouTubes. We are there. You can go ahead and see everything. You can not be impressed by anything you see. As a matter of fact, we guarantee it. Uh, anything that you missed, you can get on the Odyssey app, of course. And uh, that includes each and every interview we do. A great interview with Dre Greenlaw. A great interview already with Steve Kerr, which we will have once again for you in our 5 o'clock hour. And right now, our man on the scene, John Dickinson, is up in Seattle getting ready for 49ers and Seahawks tonight. It is a huge game. The 49ers win. They're in. They guaranteed themselves a home game to start their playoff journey. So this is a big one, no doubt about it. How you doing, John Dickinson? Hopefully the coffee was uh, fantastic for you today up in Seattle. Yeah, coffee always great, and, and coffee even in the press box is, is especially great compared to other press boxes uh, if, if you are scoring at home on, on those sorts of things. But, yeah, it's a crystal clear, cool evening up in Seattle, 39 degrees, and uh, the 49ers looking to do something that they've done only once going back to 2011, and that's when in this stadium, just that 2019 game on the final night of the regular season to take the one seed, uh, the only time the 49ers have won here, going all the way back to pre-Russell Wilson, also the last time the 49ers were able to sweep the Seahawks in 2011, pre-Russell Wilson, so we'll see if they can do it tonight Feels like a last stand kind of a game for the Seahawks. Not only in, in terms of hanging on in the division with the 49ers' ability to clinch, but even hanging on for a, a possibility of a playoff berth as far as Seattle goes. So uh, I think all things considered, a lot of Niner fans up here, more than I can ever remember seeing in, in my years coming here, uh, and, a, and a good opportunity even on a short week for the Niners to get one. Uh, the last time these two teams played... 49ers essentially had the ball for two-thirds of the game. Uh, Seattle couldn't run the ball at all, and the 49ers won in a boat race. How do you see this game being different, if at all? Yeah, I think the 49ers are going to want to obviously stop the run. I think the Seahawks have 
developed an identity offensively with with Geno Smith that, that we really didn't know that they had going back to, to week two. You know, he he's become you know good at, at throwing the football and and using Metcalf and using Lockett, and he he's had some big games, but it, it has hinged on the ability to run. So if that gets taken away, and Geno's kind of sitting back there uh, with a couple of rookie tackles who have performed pretty well this year, uh, but the 49ers can can force the action a little bit and force turnovers uh, a, a little bit as well, which which can flip the game. But I, I think tonight, the, the 49ers are feeling very confident, is my sense, of their ability to do everything they were able to do against the Seahawks back then when the Niners weren't playing their best football, run the football themselves, and try and take advantage of uh, a Seattle team that uh, is leaking oil, really, especially on the defensive side. More turnover-prone offensively, can't stop the run defensively. I mean, I, I think the Niners are, are salivating at an opportunity to 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 really you know grab hold of that division title and, and send the Seahawks uh, into a world of hurt with a, a few games to go as far as that wild card spot goes, guys. JD, as you poked around like local media up there, is there any rhyme or reason to why this team had such an unexpected good start to the year and why the bloom came off the rose? I, I, I you know I'm not trying to denigrate Seattle in any way, but it's really nice that the 49ers are not catching, you know, the first seven weeks of the Seahawks tonight. No, you're, you're right about that. And, and I think everybody that I've talked to is just su- surprised still. I mean, seven would have been the over in terms of, of wins that, that really most would have expected up here for, for this team this season. And for them to get off to, to that start, they it, it really hinged on the ability to, to run the football effectively. But it was Geno Smith. I mean, Geno Smith was playing like a top-flight quarterback. And they were able to protect him. And he was making plays and, and escaping. They were keeping the game on schedule. And, and they were putting up points. And, and the defense was, was holding up their end of the bargain. The defense has really been the issue, uh, along with turning the football over. And a regression, I think, back to the mean as far as Geno Smith's play overall. But, but yeah, I think the, the, the overarching thought on the Seahawks up here is the fact that they're feeling good about the fact that they're the second-best team in the division and, and look like, at least for now, things can change in a blink of the NFL that, that they're in a much better position to, to compete moving forward than certainly the Cardinals and 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 even the Rams uh, with all of the contracts that, that they have tied up and money spent and lack of draft capital and, and all of that. So a greater identity for the Seahawks than the 49ers saw, but uh, you're right, Damon, it, it's not the same team that was the best of the Seahawks to this point, although I would expect, as I mentioned earlier, that that sort of last stand game uh, with a team that that really feels like they have to get back on track if they are going to salvage this thing and wind up making the playoffs, which would be an incredible success for this team, given the fact that that most thought they'd be a a five- or a six-win team overall. When is Kyle Shanahan going to stop screwing Josh Johnson? (laughs) Maybe tonight. (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe tonight. Uh, you never know. Although Brock Purdy did look, uh, he looked pretty good in in the in the warm up. I mean, there was nothing that would indicate that that he wasn't, uh, you know, couldn't move or couldn't make all the throws uh, with with the, the the rib deal and the oblique. But uh, that's a great that's a great question. I think the Niners would love to be ahead by enough to where. 
Josh Johnson can get a lot of time for for this 49ers team down the stretch. Speaking of a crisp evening in Seattle, there isn't a football team that looks more crisp maybe in the NFL when the Niners are rocking the all-whites. And they are tonight. So Yes, they are. Uh, I, I don't know if that's worth three points in your sports book, J.D., but it might be worth three points in mine. Uh, who is playing defensive tackle tonight for the 49ers? I was thinking maybe Kinlaw, but we heard you know he hasn't even been cleared off IR. No Kevin Givens after the card off last week. Uh, Eric Armstead, we saw a sampling of him. He made a couple of big plays in a small sample size. Tell me about the interior line. Yeah, Armstead, uh, you'll see him out there. I think you'll also see more of of T.Y. McGill again, who was getting a lot of the run for the 49ers as as Armstead was out, and and he was somebody that was a a practice squad guy that that had had been gone and come back uh, and the like. So I think you, you will see him. I'll be interested to see what things look like as far as as Kerry Hyder goes, and uh, yeah, the Niners are, you know, anytime you have Armstead, you got a different element in there, but they are trying to, to piece it together the best they can uh, with with what they have, given you know some of the injuries, and losing Givens was a big a big one. Yeah. Uh, he was having a real nice, real nice season, and, and also, you know, Hassan Ridgeway, who'd been out going on injured reserve as well, had been had been filling in amicably uh, over the course of the year, and yeah, Akeem Spence back signed to the active roster as well, so so Akeem Spence is somebody that I think you could see get getting some reps who who was around and left and now is back into the fold. You said it was cold. Is it windy or wet? Is is the weather actually going to play a factor in this game or is it just going to be irritating? No, I, I think it's it's just cold, and that just depends on your definition of cold. I mean, uh, high 30s right now. It's it's crystal clear. Uh, it didn't appear that there was much wind, and, and watching the kickers go through and, and trying to pay attention to the flags, it looks like the official uh, game time weather is going to be five to six miles an hour. Uh, winds out of the north, so no, it's just it's just chilly, and you you may see may see a little bit of the the players' breath uh, on the on the field tonight. But other than that, no, not. Not, not wet uh, at all with uh, the rain and maybe even some snow in this area coming through Saturday, Sunday, and on into the early part of next week. But so far tonight, to Chris, re- eerily similar, really, guys, to, to the game three years ago on December the 29th of 2019 when the 49ers last won here, won here for the only time in the last decade, and, and clinched the NFC West to boot uh, on that night, uh, which was, what, Sunday night football back then. Always great to talk to you, J.D. Thanks so much for checking in and keep hitting that pot of coffee tonight. All right, you got it, guys. Thank you so much. John Dickinson checking in live from Seattle. And this is, I mean, if you want to draw it up the way that Kyle Shanahan wants to draw it up, it's real simple. They're going to run this ball 40 times. And if that's going to happen, look, there is a nice little window built into the back end of this game. Ten days off, thanks to it being a Thursday nighter, which means you got a little time to lick wounds and rest up if you get banged up tonight. This team cannot afford to get Christian McCaffrey banged up. That means I would love to, Ray, tonight. I would love to see Jordan Mason get 10, 12 carries, which would basically be a third of the career carries. I think he's got 29 carries, and that's it so far. I'm asking for a third of his career carries to appear in this game tonight. And that sounds like, man, that's asking a little bit too much. Does Kyle trust his rookie? I don't think there's a reason not to. Jordan Mason's been running like a grown-up, and Seattle just gave up 223 rushing yards to the Panthers, and they gave up 160 and a half rushing yards per game that is dead last in the NFC that's second worst in the NFL. 
Yeah, I don't see any reason. Well, I mean, I don't know how much Jordan Mason got. It's going to depend on the game. But I see no reason why the 49ers aren't going to have a very simplified offense and basically try to run the ball 50 times if they can get away with it. By the way, I got a little breaking news for you. Let's do this before we hit the top of the hour. 95-7, the game, breaking news. <laughs> Adios, Carlos. It is official. Carlos Rodon is putting on the pinstripes. Rodon and Aaron Judge are going to be playing together this year after all. Just in New York City, a six-year, $162 million deal, full no trade. Rodon didn't get a seventh year, Ray. No, but he did get $27 million a year, which is a pretty good consolation prize. Because I think the seventh year was going to come maybe at about the same figure. So, John Heyman, by the way, first to report. And because, you know, there's a little arson behind that one, I guess Jeff Passan is also confirmed. So As did Rosenthal. There indeed. Then, then the tribunal has spoken. It is Radon to the New York Yankees. Uh, obviously... You know, that that feels like a really good place to pivot to just a little baseball talk. But it's 5 o'clock before we got a Thursday night football game, a big one for the Niners. Uh, so let's stay on that topic for just a little bit as we welcome all the boys and girls to your 5 o'clock hour. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.